I said, yeah, let me, let me, uh, turn, uh, put my phone, or not my phone, my watch on silent. There we go. So that's not going off when people yeah. text me. It's been a little while. Yeah. Mr. Ronnie Gordon. Hello, hello. People might know you. Yeah. They might. <laughs> they, they, they might. <laughs> they might. I remember you. That's a good thing. I remember you too. You know, it's always a good thing because I, obviously we were just talking like your knowledge of skateboarding, you're kind of like me, you, you study it Yeah. in a sense. Right? Totally. How long have you been skating by the way? So I tell the story, I do skateboard shows for schools on the side and I always tell the story of, I saw the movie Back to the Future and you know, Michael J. Fox is riding on a skateboard, a Volterra skateboard and uh, I just got home from that. It was during the summer and I belong to a swim club right outside Cherry Hill in Merchantville. It's right near the Cherry Hill Mall. It's called Woodbine Swim Club. And it was about, it was, you had to drive in a car. You couldn't ride a bike there, or walk there. It was too far from our house. But it was a couple towns away. So only a few friends from my childhood, like elementary school, belonged to the club. So I had this whole other group of friends every summer that I hung out with. And that summer, they were all about a year older than me. And they were also the youngest of their families where they had older siblings that showed them, hey, this is the new cool music. These are the cool shoes. Like, you know, skateboarding's cool. So they always knew the next cool thing to do. So they all got skateboards. But we had bikes first, but they got skateboards also. And then we were like pretending to be flatland freestylers. (laughs) But uh, so I biked before I skated. But... I got a skateboard around then. It was a uh, Executioner Nash. Nice. From uh, some people might know this place in the 80s. It was called Discount Harry's in Pensacola, New Jersey. It was on Route 130. And they sold pool equipment, bicycles, toys. So I would go there to get like G.I. Joe's and Transformers. And then later on, when I got into biking, you know, go downstairs, get new grips, you know, or cool Rector gloves or yeah. something like that and then I went there and I bought my first skateboard and and these Nash executioners were toy store boards but they like I was telling you before they, they came with real urethane wheels and they had NMB bearings which were decent bearings mm. and so the trucks turned you could adjust them the thing was heavy and uh, but the graphic was cool it was a bunch of skulls on the bottom with this dragon standing on them and uh, it was like neon green and it's the 80s gotta yeah. have the neon yeah, got it. you know <laughs> it's like a must for the 80s right so you know, and then I had the same group of friends, Dan Pastorius. He, he remember him giving me a catalog. So it was like the same size as like a Thrasher magazine, but it was like, it was for Vision skateboards. And it had a picture of every Vision board that was out on the market at that time, already built, completed. And they had it like in a nice photo, like of all of them standing next to each other. And then in the photo, they had like the blur wheels, and then they had their rails, and then they had like the freestyle boards. So there was like the, the first Gons board the gator board, the uh, psycho stick, Tom Graholski, like the metal one where like it's like a robot like doing a layback on a yeah. ramp, and uh, the Primo board, and some something. I You know, there was a couple of the aggressor, and um, I just remember getting that, and I was like, wow, that's what a real skateboard is, is this. And the other thing, too, was the old BMX magazines, like Freestyling Magazine, they had skateboard ads in them. So, like, skateboarding and and BMX flat ground seemed really to me 
intertwined back then because yeah. they they wore the same shoes you know like vision streetwear or vans or airwalk you know they wore the rector pads like so it was you know there was a lot of similarities to it to me and then um you know so then july 16th is my birthday and uh in 87 i went to action wheels in woodbury new jersey and i um Actually, I think it's West Deffert. I always would say Woodbury, but I think the actual location, it's still there. But they had a skateboard department inside the bike shop at that time. They don't have skateboards anymore. But And uh, I had gone to a bike show there for Haro Bikes and seen Ron Wilkerson and a couple other guys do a demo. So I knew they had skateboards. I saw them in there. And then when I got into skating, I went in. And the day I went in, I brought um, my trucks and wheels from my executioner. And I had money. I was going to get a new deck. And I was going to get a full face helmet for my bicycle. Oh, there you go. I don't know why, but I just wanted a full face helmet because I thought they looked cool in the magazine. <laughs> this is true. I mean, they did look cool like back then. You know, and remember the like, the dino suit and the Haro suit. The like the guys on the team they have the, the they would have the pants and the the yeah. top. Like it just looks sick. So I um so I go in there and he's like, well, he's like, I'm not going to sell you a deck that you can't ride, mm-hmm. and I, because I I didn't understand that the whole pattern on those executioner toy stores weren't the same as the standard skateboard trucks that you and I think of. And so he's like, they're not going to fit. Were they like a little bit smaller? Yeah. So like, you, you like would have had base, to drill, like the... you would have had to drill like new holes into your brand new deck. Okay. So like know? the base play of the trucks was, right. was way smaller. So like two holes would match truck. up. However you decide if you did the back holes or the front holes, those two would match up. But then the other two, you'd have to drill holes in your board for it to work. Okay. And he's like, I don't want to like, I don't want you to do like he's like if you're gonna get a board he's like I want you to get it like complete mm-hmm. and get it the right way like so that you're set up right like you know either wait or like you know make a decision so the end I walked out of that store with a Mike McGill complete with uh, Pal freestyle wheels the blue rib bones a blue tail guard a yellow nose guard and like three different or four different colors of grip tape. And uh, I still had the deck and most of the parts and NMB bearings, new ones. Oh, nice. And uh, so I couldn't afford trackers or indies and uh, at the time. And they were like the coolest trucks at that time, at least in my opinion. And, uh, you know, I was he was like, we have these um, price point trucks that are pretty good. And they're called Action Plus 2s. And they come with the hardware. They come with the risers. They come with the copers that look like trackers the ones that like had the circle end pieces that you mm-hmm. mount around it yeah so i was like all right i'll go with these and uh i had my first complete skateboard and it was just like oh my gosh this thing is so cool i took it home and i didn't put the grip tape on yet so my mom helped me put the grip tape on when we got home and we just cut out things that we thought were cool we made lightning bolts and skulls that's and actually pretty sweet though yeah and i had um converse chucks used to come with like a sticker and it was just a cartoon of the shoe mm-hmm. So I just took that and I traced that out and made two of them, put that on there and, you know, um, I'll have to show you a picture of it. But I, like I said, I still have the board and the grip tape's insane looking. Were you hooked like on skating? Like when you first like started getting into it or was it until like you got your, that first board? Well, I got the board. I was still in, was still very interested in, um, BMX freestyle mm-hmm. also, but I was you know my new thing too now was skateboarding so this is july end of july um and the other thing was at that pool i belonged to the swim team and like my sister did too and that was where all my friends did too 
and I felt like most of it was like our parents just like, you have to belong to something. Yeah. And like, so it was like more of a social aspect for me. And that was where like all these skater friends were part of. Yeah. And uh, then I got back, the summer finished out and I, I got back to school and it's fifth grade for me. And all these guys in my class decided, hey, I, I, I'm going to get a skateboard too. They're pretty cool. And one by one, I think it ended up being like six of them. And they all got skateboards. And then our friend, his parents didn't get home till later than everyone else. And he had a big driveway. So we had this crazy launch ramp. And we would just skate that every day, nice. like September, October. And so we had that. And then I built this makeshift little wedge thing. And then like I would bring that over my friend's house. And we'd skate on the sidewalk out front. My friend Ryan Biello, he was the first one out of our group of friends. He figured out at Ollie. And then I think I was second. And then it was like, then everyone else started to figure it out. But um, I could ride off the ramp and I could early grab off the ramp. The Ollie took me a little bit longer than him. And like, and then I remember like, so it was like Christmas break. It was like, all right, we're gonna, you know, we're getting the magazines now. So that was, all right, that's what it was. So October of that year, I, um, I got my first Thrasher magazine. And it's Eddie Radigee on the cover from Savannah Slamma. I fucking love Eddie Radigee. Yeah. The best fucking dude I've ever met in my fucking life. Like yeah. the coolest fucking dude. Yeah, and I've met him too. I met him when I was a camper at Woodward in 92 when oh, he was shit. doing – he just stopped being a pro for Alva and he started public skateboards mm -hmm. and was part of Alva still. Yeah. He was there with like his team riders. And – uh yeah, and I was just like, I remember looking at that magazine, and I just remember, like, this is so cool. It had the Savannah Slamma contest, and I was like, dude, I want to be part of this for the rest of my life. Like, I want to be, I want to do what these guys are doing. Like, and, like, I would just sit there and, like, you know, read the magazine, and I would uh, just imagine myself, like, being in the van with these guys. Like, you know, I, I would imagine sitting in the back of the van, we're going somewhere, and I'm, like, ripping up a new board, you know, like, in my mind, like, I just like wanted to be part of what they were doing mm -hmm. so bad. And um, <clears throat> so there was um, Spikes Skates in Philly. That was the other big skate shop. And then there was this little tiny skate shop in, uh, it was next to Pensacon in um, Palmyra. It was called Squirt. And yeah. Never even heard of this yeah. shop. So, and I called my friend on the way over here, my friend John Morlino just to verify a couple of things. And um, so that summer when I had started skating, we um, we would go and skate next to the Betsy Ross Bridge, Route 90. Mm -hmm. um, the jug, have you ever heard of that, that bar over there? Yeah, the jug handle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, so it was closed off and you could skate on the highway because it was closed off. And we just thought it was so cool that you could skate on a major highway. There's That's no cars sweet. on it. And, you know, we would just kind of like try to imitate like doing a wall ride on the Jersey Bar. We couldn't do wall rides. We would just do like the one foot thing uh, and yeah. kind of like kick turn on it. And then it would be like broken down cars and stuff and just smashing things and just being young idiots. And um, so all these kids took wood in this giant field near there and built a half pipe. And um, I remember the half pipe being really big. So. We, when I talked on the phone tonight, I, we think it was nine foot high. So it was a vert ramp. Oh, shit. But it was like on the smaller side yeah. of a vert ramp. But it was a vert ramp. And it was like 24 feet wide. 
it uh, had PVC coping where they like cut it, like split it, and then just it wrapped over the edge. And uh, it had a tombstone, but the tombstone was a piece of plywood going up, yeah. two two by fours behind it, no deck, and PVC coping on that. That's dangerous. <laughs> it's super dangerous. So that was the first half pipe I ever rode on. It's not. It's not really. It's not like a terrible half pipe. No. Especially I, for what the, uh, this was. This like was eighty eight. Eighty eight. Yeah. yeah. For late eighties, that's. Yeah. It's pretty damn good for back then. Oh yeah. And the thing was, this thing lasted for two years before Pennsylvania really tore it down. And uh, I'm sure the wood was borrowed from the houses that were being built. <laughs> we'll go with borrowed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds a lot better. Um, but that's where I learned how to like pump and do kick turns. Um, there was no dropping in yet for me. The yeah. only thing I dropped in on at that point was a launch ramp. But I no one told me they were just like doing it. And I went and tried to do it and I just totally ate it like i didn't realize you you have to push all your weight on your front wheels and make contact and keep contact yeah. with your and all your weight so it's like a 70 30 thing you know where you 70s over the front and 30s just hanging out yeah and you just push down and you stay down don't stand up mm-hmm. and then uh so i had the drop in now <laughs> i could pump on the ramp and uh that was that was about it. Then I found out in the town I live in, where my parents still are, had in Township, New Jersey, that there was a guy that had a six foot, like sixteen feet wide, another guy had a five foot eight feet wide, and then later on that year, this guy in the next town over Collingswood built a four foot twelve feet wide. So we would go over to the six foot and like beg the mom or the sister, because the guy was like at the shore for the summer being a lifeguard, so he was never there. So we'd never met him, but we, we would go and skate it every day. And that was the first ramp I ever dropped in on. That's pretty sweet. And I stood up there for an hour the first day I did it. I don't blame you. <laughs> I really don't. And I remember going home that night and just like laying in bed and like, I can drop in now. Yeah. I can drop in. It's kind of, it's kind of weird that like you, you talk about like, like these few different people, they had ramps in their backyard. Right. Right. So I grew up actually not that far from, from here, uh, probably like. 10 15 minutes okay so someone in their backyard they did have a mini ramp oh wow and um so they they were like super legit right they're like if we asked them like hey can we skate the ramp they had waivers right so like not only was like the ramp like it had plywood on it Mm -hmm. but it also had like sheets of metal Okay. Like just regular sheet of metal. Right. It was not the greatest at all. Right. Because it was like they had it like the way it was set up, it was like they had the wood right on top of the, the plain plywood. Mm-hmm. But all the gaps were over weren't overlapping. So uh, like the metal wasn't okay. over like the middle yeah, of, yeah, of yeah. like so where there'd the, be like gump gump. Yeah. Yeah. And also there the metal, because it wasn't that great neither, it started to butterfly up. Oh, gosh. Yeah, and they finally shut it down until my buddy Paul sliced his leg open on it. Oh, sure. That's gnarly. Yeah. Oh, dude. I was there for that, too. Like, we were just learning how to skate, like, mini ramp. Like, just starting to get used to it. Like, dropping in. Like, doing some kick turns. Maybe a a rock to fakey, rock rock and roll, whatever. Right. And then, nope. (laughs) They they shut it down. That's gnarly. Yeah, dude. It was bad. (laughs) It was bad. Wow. I, still, I still talk to the dude too. He, oh. does, he doesn't skateboard anymore, but he plays mean motherfucking drums. That's right. I say that, yeah, fucking super good. But that was like that was our mini ramp, and 
little Ben Salem, Pennsylvania. Right. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, like now there's so many more ramps and there's skate parks and all this stuff. Like when I was a kid, there was just Reading Skate Park and Cheap Skates. So that was it. Yeah. And like that took a while for me to get there. In Ocean City, Maryland, they had that one. Yeah, Cheap Skates was around for a long time too, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was like the original Bob that owned it. Like that was the real Cheap Skates. Mm-hmm. You know, that he had that for a long time. Like I think 87 or 88 it opened and then that continued till somewhere in the 90s and then he got out of it this other guy bought it but he had a lot of things going on Mm -hmm. and he let some other guy manage it and the guy was managing he didn't do like a background check and 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 just didn't do enough checking on the guy and the guy turned out to be a weirdo like creep and then they had to close it because there was like complaints you know, right. well, and uh, so it just sucked kinda... because it was like it was like it was in the same place where it was. It had so much cool history. Yeah, and it's just a bummer that like somebody ruined it for everyone. Yeah, I mean, it's you usually know? how it goes too. And, like uh, I mean, you've been skating since the '80s. I started skating like late '90s. We didn't have many parks over no. here. No. We had a what do we have? All we had was Ivy Land 360 skate spot. Yeah. That's really it. And I never, I don't even think I went to 360. Yeah, I remember when uh, Ivy Land, that was, like, a new one for us. Like, so, so cheapskates. Yeah, and then, um, yeah, then, then there was Washington Lake Park outdoor, mm-hmm. you know, skate park. That was, like, the only thing near me. And then for indoor, it was just cheapskates if you could get there. And yeah. then I think in 97-ish. 98 was like oh there's this other park ivy land yeah. we're like oh cool and we started going there and they're like you know it was more built like a bmx park but it was fun it was like everything's fucking yeah. super big yeah and just... it was gnarly <laughs> super gnarly and that's chris cole's like that's where he started skating like that's, first skate that's park gnarly. That's and real gnarly. they had like a mini ramp and it was either i think it was six foot high but and then they had like a quarter pipe at the one side of it and i remember you just ride off the deck and ollie into this quarter pipe it was really fun and uh, Chris just learned every, every time he learned a flip trick, he would learn it off the half pipe. <laughs> Go figure. So like, yeah. So like, <laughs> it didn't it didn't take him long to like, all right, you know, I can kick flip, I can three sixty flip, I can back side, I can front side flip. Oh, yeah. I'll take it to Ivy Land, and yeah, then like, not? you know, and then like, you know, it was like a year later, like everyone's talking about there's this kid, and you know what I mean, and like, two years later, everybody knows who he is. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Did you guys build, like, DIYs in, like, the early 90s, like, over in um, Jersey? Sometimes. So, I, I was – I don't know if you remember – do you remember Jay Birch? I used to skate with him a lot. He did – I know like, the name. I don't know if I – So, he did a skateboard company called Jersey Devil, and uh, I was, like, part of that with him. And, like, he was – it was his company, and he, like, would give me boards, and he like, sponsored me, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, he uh, – we would just skate all the time. We were, like, close in age, and uh, – but it was just, like – it was like our thing and then we would just go on all these trips together just seeking out mm-hmm. new skate spots all the time and um frankie the photographer okay. sherman yeah so he would come with us all the time and then whoever else but it was usually the three of us That's all the time sweet. and it was like summer in 96 it was just like mission every every chance we got yeah was that um was that your first sponsor mm, no all right let's go back a little bit so i i uh I got there was a company called Motobuilt Trucks, and they made um, skateboard trucks, and then they had decks later on. 
and I'd sent them a video and then they would send me trucks and that was like spring of 90. Okay. 91, 91, spring of 91. So we get some, some free trucks. It was like flow, Yeah. you know, but like here and there, but you know, it was awesome. Free trucks, yeah. you know, and stickers I mean, and shirts. And trucks usually last a while anyway. Oh, yeah. So like you're so I didn't ask very much. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was just, and I had that for like a year or so. And then I just, I don't, I don't know what happened. I, I, I don't know if I just stopped calling. I don't, I don't know. I just remember like I got a, a set of goings for Christmas that year. I just wanted a pair of goings and the going street shadows with the plastic base plates. And so that was like 91 going into 92. Okay. Um, so that kind of truck was actually on its way out, but I really liked those. Or they like the plastic, just a the plastic, plastic base, base plate. plate. And I got a real um, sluggo board, like Everslick, and it was like him in a Viking suit. It was like a series, like Jim yeah. Tebow was in a bunny suit, Solomon was in a fairy outfit, and uh, I'm forgetting somebody. Sluggo, Tebow. Who am I forgetting? I don't know. It'll come to me. Oh, oh. Tommy Guerrero. He had like an Elvis outfit on. So they just like went and put these costumes on, shot photos, and then it was a slick bottom board. The graphics were awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's what a lot of companies did back then. So they like super simple graphics, put it out. But Sluggo's board had like a pretty big nose for that time. So it was like probably like 975 wide. But this is when the boards were still really wide. But now they had a nose and wheels were getting smaller yeah so i got like 52 millimeter wheels that year it was like union wheels was like a new it was like the it was like an offshoot of speed wheels mm. it was like the dude metaver left them and he started his own wheel company but they, he took most of the speed wheels team from santa cruz and did this wheel like costin and chris markovich all these people and so they were like the new cool ones i, I remember i got the costin ones you know and they had like a cool square shape like a spitfire tablet yeah and uh, so then like that, and then I got rails and put them on my board too, even though it was a slick, because I was trying to make the board last longer. Yeah. Because I didn't have a job. So it was like, you know, like you had to make your boards last as long as possible. Yeah. So. I think it was like later later on when they started, like what, what company was it? I think it was uh, LibTech. Where they, yeah. Where so they, it was like that. That's all they did was yeah. ever slick like exactly. graphics. So I know Dave P wrote for him for a little while. Yeah. Um, Ben Cron, he was pro form. He lived out in Philly for a bit. Where was it? Ben Cron. He was like, he used to ride for real. And then he was from Seattle, Washington. He lived okay. in San Francisco. And then he rode for Lib as a pro and with Buster Holderman. And then, then he rode for Blood Wizard after that. Blood but, Wizard is a weird company, but I like I like their stuff. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I've seen their stuff now that they're putting out. It's pretty right. gnarly. Like the kids on yeah. there now are I mean, kids these days are just gnarly to begin with, but yeah, e- even back then, like I can imagine, like what they were putting out. Yeah. So yeah, so it was it was that. So we made my friend had a camcorder. We made a video Christmas break, filmed all this stuff. Um, I was doing stuff that was newer at that time, or at least I thought. Like you know, I'm like, oh, I'm like, I'm keeping up. Mm-hmm. Like so, I had learned over Christmas break nollie flips, nollie burial flips, nollie frontside flips, and. uh I hadn't seen anyone around us do it. The only person I'd seen at that point do a nollie flip was Allie Mills in a New Deal video. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was just like, that was when like literally everybody was just trying to learn something new that yeah. hasn't been done yet. And 1281 had just come out and I got that for Christmas. And I was just like obsessed with that video. Kind of still am. And uh, <laughs> it's a great video. And 
like, you know, I remember just trying to learn every trick in that video, like, you know, like Casper flip, like Templeton was doing. Chris Hall did this like nose bonk on like basically the ground in front of the steps, like a three stair at Pulaski Park yeah. and then went down it. And I remember we went to Love and did that off like, like the three there. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And I was doing nolly flips there. And I filmed all this. I sent it to Goling. And then I never heard anything. And I called them once. And they were like, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was all right. You know? And they're like, send us another one. I'm like, all right. And then filming, filming. And then uh, spring break comes. And we ordered boards from this shop in Texas. And if you spent 100 bucks, he would copy a VHS tape of the newest skate videos and send it for free. Right? You can't get and away with that these days. No way. <laughs> but... You, you would, I, I remember we kind of asked like, Hey, do you have like, you know, this video or that video? And I was like, Hey, do you have the new plan B video questionable? And he's like, yeah, I'll put that in. Ooh, right. That's so, a good so we, so we get this, it's raining out that day. So we're just stuck inside my friend, Alex Fulcher, Fulcher's house, put it in We watch the video. I've never seen anything that gnarly in my life at this point. And that video holds up today, but yeah, Pat Duffy crushed it. I mean, everybody crushed it in that video, but Pat Duffy crushed it. And then, like, Ryan Fabry, who was, like, lower impact, was doing all these crazy new flip tricks, like, down stuff. Like, he literally, like, I'd never even seen these tricks done, and he's doing them down, like, stairs and gaps and lines. I'm like, I can't do any of this. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was like, well, I'm never going to be sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> like... I was like, well, that dream's over. Like, you know, and I'm like, I'm okay with it. Like, I'll just, you know, I'll just skate. Because, I, I mean, no matter what, it was always I wanted to skate for fun anyways. But it was just like in the back of my head after seeing that thrasher. I want to be part of this. Yeah. Like, you know. It's like a, a it's a little goal for yourself. Right. Like, and yeah, then, I dude, when I that. saw that video, I was like, well, that goal's done. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't blame you. Because right. that video, like, I, like I, you said, it holds up today. And, it was like, crushing in the aspect of like, well, I can't do any of that. But to be honest, like it really pushed me. And so then it got to the point, it was like less people skating by me. And in my group where I lived, I was like the best person, but I'm not that, I'm not, I, I could do stuff, but I wasn't doing like what that video was doing and other people. So the best person over in Philly was Ricky, mm -hmm. you know, and he was like, I think he was still on Z, Z skates and Z roller I at that point. So. I'm pretty sure he was. And, um, and I, so spring break when we go over like we're skating love and uh we met ricky on the speed line like two nights before so this it was probably the same day it rained we were so bored that night we just got on the train in collingswood and we just went to philly went back went to philly went back they just stayed on the train you just stayed on the train because we were just bored and this dude gets on and he looks like a skateboarder and i'm like you skate you know, because, yeah. you know, back then, if you have skate shoes on, there's marks on them. And you're like, probably skates, yeah. you know, and we start talking and like, he's like, yeah, I usually just go to Philly and skate with like my friends over there. And I was like, oh, I was like, um, who do you, who do you, and he, he named Roger Brown, which was like the, he was, the, you know, at that point he was the best sponsored skater in Philly. Mm -hmm. He was on Santa Cruz and he was on Madrid before that. And he used to ride for spike skates. And, uh, he he was like, I was like, yeah, I skate with him and I skate with him. And I was like, oh, I was like, do you skate with Ricky Oyola? And he's like, I am Ricky Oyola. I was like, really? <laughs> oh, and, shit. <laughs> and yeah. And I remember he had like a sweatshirt or something on and he pulls it up and he says, see? And he had a Z skate shirt on. And I was like, and he had Vans um, Pro high tops on and he had like the big uh, curly fro. 
like black curly fro hair. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. And like, I met him there. And then like, maybe the end of the week we went over and skated, um, love. We went to, um, what was it? It's not spike. Spikes was gone. So it was zipper head. Zipper had a skateboard shop upstairs and they had plan B in there. So we watched it again a little bit, just get motivated. Then we go over love and we're skating and I'm skating like a ledge, like the main ledge. And I do something and like a slide out and then I turn around and then like Ricky and I just like bump into each other, not collide, but just yeah. like bump into each other. And he's like, Hey, you're, you, you were the dude on that train the other night. And I was like, yeah. And, and that was like how we met. <laughs> That's pretty sweet though. Yeah. And then that day, this dude was like killing it. And later on I found out it was Josh Kalis, but on the three sets, oh yeah, he was doing like all the new late flip tricks. And then he was like 360 alien, like down. So he would do like, you know, like some kind of late flip. Then the next set, and then he would like 360 flip, and then he would do like a 360 alley down the next set. And I was, just, and it was just like boom, no cameras, you know, just yeah. skating, like full on, just session. I was like, my gosh, like who is this dude? Yeah, that dude progressed real fast too. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So then there was like, then I just you know just kept skating, and then like when we we had the chance, we'd make we'd film each other and whatever. But um, that was just kind of out of my mind. And then I remember like being senior in high school and sub-zero was a skate shop by us and now and then it turned into failure because they split and mm-hmm. shane went to philly did sub-zero adam stayed and did uh um failure so it was junior junior it was junior and then into senior so junior i started skating with this dude yuichi o'hara this japanese dude that i befriended from cherry hill and we would skate every day together and he started working at the shop and then i was like trying to like get on the shop team because it was like well like that's the goal mm-hmm. you know ride for the local shop and then uh that happened in like the fall of 95 when i was a senior i gave him a video mm-hmm. gave him a couple videos <laughs> and then finally like, like they put me on i was so stoked so then i was sponsored by them but that was the thing too it was like i remember like i gave him a video or whatever and i was just like you know what like it's fine dude like i don't i don't need to ever do that side of skating i'm always gonna skate because it's fun mm-hmm. you know and then it was like a month later they were like we're making a new team we want you to be on it and i was like what <laughs> <laughs> excitement again yes super excited and then just from there like we would all like try to make tapes and send them to people and then i uh i sent a tape out to um crank skateboards do you remember them from north carolina i don't know okay and then torque skateboards um Thomas Taylor's company that's Grant Taylor's dad okay I sent them a tape and then they started sending me boards that's pretty sweet yeah and his boards were really good they were on um, PS sticks and because Thomas used to be pro for Schmidt sticks mm-hmm. and then New Deal but he never had a board but he was like on the pro team yeah and then so when he when he left New Deal and did his own brand he just used the same wood mm-hmm. so the boards were like awesome yeah and I did that for a while and then um then my friend Jay started Jersey Devil, and those boards were super good. And he was, like, local, and he was, like, we were skating the day, together every day. And he's like, dude, why don't you just ride for me, you know? Like, you know, like, you, we skate together every day. Like, I have boards. I have, you know, a budget. Like, I was like, all right, cool, you know? And it's probably a little bit more convenient for you, too. Yeah, and I think it was convenient for, for them, too, because it was, like, shipping and all that stuff. But I, I did do my part. Like, I, I, I would failure would carry torque because of me and they would mm-hmm. just you know they would do orders for you know because i wrote for them which yeah. was nice so like i was helping the brand out like because in the end like that's all it really is is like you're a marketing tool for the company yeah like and you know i was doing my part so that was cool 
why my flesh that was weird <laughs> so, flash like turning on and shit yeah so and then, and then um just from there and then um i uh and then after failure skate shop the boarding house had opened up and then um i went over to them like adam and i saw things different after a while mm. and then so i just thought it was better if i leave and then uh i went over there and rode for them and because uh, i knew a lot of the guys already on the team and uh it was it was super fun and then it was so that was like 96 nine, yeah and in 96 so and then he had some contacts with just like i mean the way it used to be was like you would get sponsored by a skate shop mm. and then you would send your tapes to the reps and then the reps if they had a budget mm. they would start flowing you yeah and then if they thought you were really good they would send it to the team manager mm. you know and so my first shoe sponsor was nice skate shoes i remember those yeah too. They were sick. They were actually my pretty Kevin, good. <laughs> my friend Kevin, he was like the TM, and I had skated with him before, and he's like, dude, I like your tape. I'm, I'm going to send you some shoes. And uh, I really liked them. Um, so they went through a bunch of changes later on. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people that remember them that are younger that remember them, they were like goofy. But the first time around, they were really sick. Like Vinny Ponte rode for him, Rodney Torres, Danny yeah. Supa. The first time – it's weird because like first time I saw those shoes, yeah, um, I did see them in an ad. In an ad. I yeah. forget who I who it was, but then I think later on, like they ended up getting into Payless or whatever. Like that. It was something like that, and they did like the last like Jim Gagne and Garasso rode for him for a minute, but that was like when they had already been sold like twice. Like at that point, it was like an East Coast shoe company. They were in New York, and Vinny Rafa was doing it from Dead End Skateboards. Mm -hmm. He was part of it. I don't know who if he was actually the owner or not, but I already known him from like skating the Banks contests, and uh, and then I went up there and they were doing a summer tour and they invited me to go on it, and I got to go. I went up. To, I the, you were you drove up. I drove up to the office and I you know Vinny's there and if if you know who Vinny Rafa was, he's just this giant dude from New York and he's just like always sweating. <laughs> and it's like you know it's summertime, but I'm in his office, the air conditioner's blasting and he's just, just sitting sweating. there sweating. You know, they have like, a rag too because that's always. The I, best. I feel like that he did, you know, like, <laughs> and um, but he did a lot for for skaters like Javier Nunez. He was like his first sponsor, Vinny Ponte. Like he hooked up a lot of people, and uh, he, you know, he's like Ronnie Gordon. Gordon. He's like you're Jewish, right? And I was like, no. He's like, really? Your last name Gordon? He said, no, I'm German, <laughs> and Welsh, and English, and Irish. <laughs> Like everything in Europe, but that French. <laughs> it's a weird conversation starter on this. I know, but you know, like it was just funny, and uh, yeah, and then I went on that trip. It was super fun, and Danny Pencil was on that. Aaron Susky, um, Aaron Susky, such yeah. a good skater too. JP Lutz was the team manager. Um, he was like the driver. This dude Ben Wall, he used to ride for Five Barrow, and. I feel, and then like we kind of kept picking people up, and then going, and there was this guy from, from Europe that was on there, and like, basically could only talk in English in skate terms, <laughs> you know, Ollie, yeah. <laughs> <Flip>. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, and yeah, and then we we did that. That was like a two week trip. That was super fun, all up and down the East Coast. Went up to um, Connecticut and Massachusetts, all over. It was nice. rad to the far northeast tour yeah 
and uh, ZT Maximus up by Boston. We went to that skate park. That was sick. And just a bunch of stuff. And then, like, street spots in upstate New York on the way back that JP knew about. Like, just super fun. Nice. And, uh, yeah, and then at that point, and then I got on Freedom Skateboards out of um, Vermont. And he did, like, uh, so it was, and I had sent a video out. So I did get on Goal Link, like, later, later on, on. Later on. And Ray Underhill was my team manager. Oh, shit. Which was so cool. Like, every time I call, I'd be so nervous because I'm like, dude, you're Ray Underhill. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And uh, the trucks were good, but I was riding, at that point, I was riding eight and a half inch boards, mm. and they only made trucks that fit up to eight and a quarter. They didn't have wire ones. And, like, I don't know why I never even thought to ask. Like, um, Steve Saez is like having an interview on the Nine Club that recently just aired. Mm. And I never knew that later on, after and later in his career, he worked for Going for a, a bit with Ray. And, like, Going had all these different trucks that they could pull from. You know, they they made trucks like mm. there, like geometry and all that stuff, and like, like poured them. Was it like, in house? In house, yeah. Like this is when most stuff was still made in the states. Yeah. And I just never thought to ask, like, hey, do you have old ones? Like, could you just give me like old hangers? You yeah. know what I mean? That would probably fit on the the spectrum. Kind of look like a thunder. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. they were trying to they cleaned it up. Going used to always have like the, the going shape, and then when they the street shadow, they still had like a wing in the back, but just it, the truck didn't dip anymore. Mm-hmm. It looked like a regular truck, but it was like it was very distinct. Like if you saw it from across the room, you knew it was a going. Yeah, that's good marketing. It is. They'd good. taken that away because they were trying to fit in, you know. And I don't know why I just never thought to ask. So, so I was so stoked, but like they didn't fit right for me. They were like too small, you know. Like, yeah. And. Uh, so eventually, like, I just, like, you know, I cut ties with them. And then um, I sent a video to Kendall for Crux. Mm. And uh, he hooked me up. And I was super stoked again because now I'm talking to Kendall, <laughs> another one of my, you know, childhood skate heroes. And that was, like, it was crazy. And then he was like, oh, he's like, do you get wheels from anyone? He's like, We're, you know, we do speed wheels. Like, you know, I was like, sure, you know. Because when I was a kid, speed wheels and OJs were the best. It was like yeah. riding for Spitfire you know, in the eighties. Um, so it was like wheels and trucks, you know, and you just hit them up every like three months or whatever, you know, get new you trucks. Get like a bunch of like, yeah, bunch of wheels and bunch of wheels, shirts, sweatshirts, trucks. And they're in the crux. The old crux like were really good. Like they had good geometry. They were like cool looking. They were like polished like Chrome. Yeah. And still had that hole on them. <laughs> yeah. That hole never went away. No, I was never like a huge fan of crux. I, like, we really? know it was this but dude, I never skated him at the Richard same time. Kirby who was like rode for Torque he mm-hmm. was like this dude from down south that was super gnarly like like east coast Cardiel okay and he rode for him and he rode for Santa Cruz and I remember when they came through doing the tour like he came to failure and we took him over to Washington Lake Park and skated with him and he had Crux and Brian Childress um, he had him too not Childress there was yeah. another guy Brian and he rode for him. And then Vinica Kobian from Boston was on the Crux program too. And I was like, oh, they look sick. And I'm like, Richard's just so gnarly. And like, then we went over to FDR and he annihilated that place. Like he rode up the Indian wall and he was like five or six feet up on the, just straight uh, up, vert. Up on the, on the vert. And he did a kickflip. And then he just catches it and he just falls all the way back down until he gets to the transition and rode away. Holy shit. It was crazy. That place is hard too, and like I, yeah. I like, I don't, I, 
I stopped skating FDR years ago. Right. Um, after I fell on uh, the JR wall. Okay. Um, the CIA the, pocket one? Like that? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I'll get to that in a second too. But. So, but like I'll, I'll, I'll sit back and I'll watch dudes skate that place. And I'm like, how, how the hell do you even skate this? I know you guys skate it every day. It was like, I, I'm looking at it. I can't figure it out. Right. You know? usually like if i look at like a park or someplace like that i can usually figure it out like pretty fast like where like the pockets are like where you can hit and just like cruise around hit yeah. everything uh, that place that's is... the best way to figure that place out is you watch people like yeah. all right they're goofy footed they go this way okay they're regular footed they go this way like and i still right. can't figure it yeah. out <laughs> and you, you gotta remember too like from where i started skateboarding mm -hmm. our whole thing was we were chasing to get to the ramp you know what i mean we yeah. skated street but like we were always like we want to be vert skaters like the guys in the magazines like mm -hmm. skateboard publications back then was like 95% vert yeah. or pools you know what i mean it was all transition the boards were made for transition that's why they were so wide mm -hmm. you know because they had better stability and you know you know people were skating on street but i mean there was like five street pros like yeah. Nottis, gons tommy guerrero you know like oh my I know I'm forgetting something. I should know all these off the top of my head. Like, but it's like Tommy Guerrero, Nottis, Gons, um, Johnny Cop, and you know, and then like, and then it was like Thibo and like these people after them. But like for a long time, Steve Rocco, that was the other one. Yeah. He was more of a freestyle skate, but he had a street board. Yeah. And then Pearl Wallander did the same thing, which was a lot smarter. And I don't know why they didn't do that for Rodney and Kevin Harris, like with having just a street board. Because, like, there's no way they were selling that many freestyle boards. Yeah. Like, I, I the know. graphics were sick. Like, they both had killer graphics. I'd see a lot of shirts and stickers, so I hope they made a lot of money on that. <laughs> I, mean, I would hope so. You know? But I think Purr sold a lot of boards with the Viking helmet. Because mm -hmm. that was, like, a good shape, and it was a sick graphic. You know? The Viking helmet, like, vampire thing. Yeah. That was rad. And he was the first pro I ever saw at the Cherry Hill Mall. Um there used to be a pop-up skate shop called Doing Wheels, and they were off-season. They would always have a skate shop there over right past the old food court there. And one year, Per came through. He rode for Catch It Clothing that was sold like at Macy's or something mm -hmm. and did a skateboard demo in the Cherry Hill Mall in spring of 1988, and it was just him, and he did all his tricks on a freestyle board and then a street board and went back to the freestyle board, and then he signed autographs in Macy's and – I'm not kidding. There was there, there was probably three thousand to five thousand people there just to see him. I have no idea how people figured that out. That's like back then, I just really remember is. hearing, "Yo, Per Wallander's coming to town. He's gonna be the chair of them all on this date." Yeah. We're like, and then we went to doing wheels, and they had a little flyer for it. I remember that, but I don't know how like all these other people knew. It was unbelievable. And they told me doing wheels. There's they have a surf shop, the Sun, in um. Long Beach Island and uh, he has like two shops he's part of and he told me that was his best sales day ever like on I, that day I believe it like they must they, they said they sold like 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 a hundred pal boards that day holy crap <laughs> like jeez you know and like just all, just with only him being there yeah he was on a that, he was insane. on a one man tour like <laughs> that's wild yeah and he and he had a microphone and he talked so we got to you know he talked he you know he would skate and then he'd talk and yeah and it was it was just so cool because you know there was no internet there's no 
you know, all you could get back then was a VHS video and, um, you know, and everything we saw, especially on the East coast, it was a year late. Yeah. You know, they had already filmed that and they're already on to the next thing. You know, the magazines were a little more up to date, but you know, there was, I mean, Roger Brown was the only person I knew by me that was sponsored mm -hmm. and he was on Madrid skateboards and spike skates. And then he got on Santa Cruz yeah. and Indy. And then Ricky was probably the next one, like street wise. And then there was a few other guys, Ronnie Colson and some other dude that was getting venture and um world industries john something and uh there's that venture video that never came out from the 90s that's on like the trans world youtube and it has like a couple of those guys footage in it okay so that were on the venture team but um yeah like you know to make it on the east coast was like really hard back then and the only person we knew was mike v that had made it yeah you know He's, he's from uh, Edison, New Jersey. Oh, uh, yeah. It's not even that far. It's like an hour. Right. Not even. I drove by it the other day because I do skateboard shows for schools, like I was saying earlier, like through this company in Detroit called Mobile Ed. And they just set it up and then they give me a itinerary and they're like, if I want to do it, like it's on this date. Yeah. You know, that's actually pretty sweet. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about that, too. Like, where did because I, I know a lot of people that, that do know you. It's yeah. usually like you network yourself in in a certain way and so how did like all these like skate lessons and skate camps like start popping up like for you because i know like yeah. a, a lot of people they know you mainly from that right i mean i've known you yeah i don't even know how long i've known you now. It's, <laughs> i lose track of everybody so it's like it's i've probably known you for 20 years at least at least yeah but all right so you know, I was getting down that long, you know, those, cause you know, I'm skating since 80, 86, 87, but like, you know, I was just chasing that skateboard dream of being sponsored. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I, I got, uh, I went to Woodward 91 to 94 and I aged out. I turned 18 like mm -hmm. the last week and that was it. I was yeah. done. You know, it's like fantasy Island or whatever. It's over, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Peter Pan. And, uh, and that was cool too. And like my friends that worked at Woodward always, they're going to know exactly what I'm going to say right now. <laughs> they're like, my instructor was Donnie Barley my oh, last week. Shit. Yes. And he, uh, and one of my other instructors was Matt Reasons. Oh. Yep. And Sal Maga was there working. He was still pro for real, but he had taken like a break from being pro or something. He was like on some, I don't some, know. Some like hiatus. Hiatus. He had a pro shoe for Vans, that one with the elephant. Yeah. Um, so he was he had like enough money because of that. So he didn't really care. Maybe he was skater of the year that year and he got really into religion, but he was like it was on his terms only. Like yeah. he wouldn't go to church, but he'd read the Bible all the time. He's like, You're not telling me where I, I can go and can't go to believe in religion. He's got a point. Yeah. Just saying. And if you've <laughs> ever met Solomon, anyone there, he's very direct. Yeah. <laughs> I believe it. I've not I've never met him, but he's like, a very he's... nice guy, but he is very direct and he knows what he likes and doesn't like. Mm -hmm. And he has no problem telling you. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, it was it was really cool and I had a lot of fun times there and I have friends that I, I'm still friends with some of the people I met there. But yeah, Donnie was just an up and coming skater. He was on um, he was sponsored by a couple companies, I think, at that point. Um, but at that point, too, I yeah, that summer he was on Think Skateboards and Venture, and uh, yeah, and he I remember we were skating the six foot, and 
he was like, all right, we're going to play follow the leader. And I was like second or third person. And he rolled in. I'd never rolled in on a ramp. I could skate a ramp. Yeah. Like I had a ramp in my backyard, you know, I could do a lot of tricks, but I'd never rolled in. And I just remember being like, well, I don't want to be that dude that falls. And I just rolled in. <laughs> I was so scared. And I was also like 17. So like, I didn't want to like seem like a wuss, you know, yeah. like, was it just like rolling in like right over the coping or yeah, right like, over the coping okay. in, you know, but I just never did it before. Yeah. You know, like, after you do it, it's easy. Yeah, it was you know looking I mean? at but it, like, it's scary as but shit. But the first like, time you oh. do it, or a skate park with a deck short, it's yeah. a little intimidating. And once it gets over four foot, you're like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. Right. I need a little bit of a wider deck right now. Right. And uh, yeah, so it, that was that was great. It was a great experience. I learned a lot. And then um, I just knew like I wanted to do something that, and I really liked like that interaction with like teaching people skating. I thought that was cool. So Adam Holly, I got to give him thanks to this for failure skate shop. He calls me up one day and he's like, dude, I want you to do a skate lesson for me. And I'm like, a skate lesson. I'm like, what is that? He's like, well, you know, you went to Woodward and like, you know, they like teach you things. And I was like, yeah. He's like, I want you to do that for like an hour with somebody. They called the shop. They want they want their kid to get a skate lesson. And I'm like, well, why me? You know, you have these other ripping dudes on the skate team, you know? And he's like, yeah, but do you want them to interact with the parents? You know, he's like, they're good at skating. They're not, they're very socially awkward. And I was like, okay, <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So I go over to this kid's house. He's like, look, dude, just take the kid skating. He's like, be engaged and just stoke him out and, and just show him some tricks. So I go over his house. I go, all right, what can you do? You know, he could push, he could turn. And I think he could ollie. I'm like, all right. Well, let's go skate your neighborhood. And he's like, well, I never really skated around my neighborhood. I'm like, let's go find out what you have. And we just skated all around his neighborhood, and I showed him spots in his neighborhood that he didn't even know he had. That's pretty sweet, though. Yeah. And then they hired me for a while. Like, every, once a week, I'd come over and do a skate lesson for an hour. And that's where it all started for me. And then I was like, well, I aged out at Woodward. Like, maybe I can get a job there. And I got a job there being a dish dog. And then that summer, I was staying in the lofts. And if you worked at Woodward, people know what I'm talking about when you stay in the lofts. Mm -hmm. But at that time, the pros would stay there too. So I get there, and uh, Steve Barra, Mike Frazier, Donnie Barley, uh, this other pro from Australia that used to be pro for Think and Globe. It'll come to me. But it was pretty, pretty heavy. Yeah, that's yeah. intense. It was three o'clock in the afternoon. I come in and Steve Barry yells at me and my dad because we woke him up. <laughs> at three thirty in the afternoon. I know he was bummed. I'm like, damn, I'm sorry, like, listen, dude. I, I get jet lag, but come on. Yeah, so he was like on foundation that time. He was like on a tear on a skateboard. He was yeah. so good, and uh, yeah, and then like we just like you know I already knew Donnie and like so we just would hang out like when I wasn't working and he was just a guest pro he was am but he was like a guest pro like being paid to just hang out yeah and skate with the kids and whatever and the same thing Mike Frazier Steve Bear all the you know they were just the guests that were there and the team manager uh, Dayton Rob Dayton I think his name is he was the team manager for um, Airwalk mm -hmm. and he was there too like doing something and like he was there and of course because Steve Bear rode for Airwalk yeah and I remember just like going to uh, state college and getting food and going street skating with all those guys. It was super fun. And uh, that was a really great experience. And then 
um, that summer, that dude, Uichi O'Hara, that I befriended in Cherry Hill that worked at Failure Skate Shop, he was, like, going to California to move there because Failure was going to open up another skate shop in California in Costa Mesa. So he's like, do you want to come with me, you know, for the road trip? I was like, of course. So I'm, like, 18. It's, like, never really been far, you know what I mean? Like, I've been the yeah, I haven't been that far yet, anywhere. Like, it, without my parents. Yeah. And we drove to California. <laughs> Damn. You know, that, just a map. <laughs> that's an intense first road trip, too. Yeah. We're like, driving from New Jersey all the way out to Costa Mesa, yeah. California. That's, so we went, like, the far. middle of the states and just would get a phone book when we get, like, you know, to a town and get a hotel and then find a skate shop and then see if we could find a skate park. And then I remember we stopped in, like, Boulder or... Boulder or Denver, one of those, and we skated at, like, one of the parks. They, The park that we skated was a metal ramp one, but now it's, like, all cement. And then um, and then we finally got to California. I remember it was, like, late at night. It was just, like, in the middle of nowhere. It was, like, a desert, but it was, like, welcome to California. I'm, like, oh, my God, I'm here. Because, like, you know how it is. From, if you're that's, from the East Coast and you're a skateboarder, dream. yeah, it's that, the That's Mecca. a dream. Yeah. So we got there, and then we're staying at uh, Mark Sweetser's house. So he worked at Giant which was like New Deal, mm-hmm. uh, Mad Circle, uh, Golden State, um, Element, and I don't think that, yeah, they didn't have a truck company, Destructo, yet. And so he worked there. We, he let us stay at his apartment, and I befriended Jason Rothmeyer from Skate Camp. He was pro for Santa Cruz Skateboards at the time, and he was like, yeah, you ever come to California, let me know, you know? And so I stayed at Sweetser's house for a week, and then I stayed at uh, Rothmeyer's for like a week or two, and I stayed with him. But like, dude, he was the best. Like, he like took me to all the skate spots, introduced me to everybody. Like, you know, his mom was so nice. Like, you know, made me food, and like, you know, I had money, like I'd saved yeah. up. But like, it was like, you know, going there and somebody like actually taking you under their wing and like yeah. taking you to skate spots in the magazines. It was just like so cool. And he's like. Oh, you're from the East Coast. Like, Hold on, let me find something a little, little like a Wally or something a little gnarly. Because like we were riding, we were riding eight and a half inch boards and and like fifty eight millimeter wheels at this point, and like they were all still riding like eight, seven and a half, you know, yeah. small boards. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, they, they can too because like a lot of their well, their the stuff thing out that there is. I never. The sidewalks are so smooth out there because they don't they when they pour the cement and stuff they don't need to worry about expansion and contraction with the seasons like we do and it doesn't have to be swept concrete because yeah. of slip, so there's not huge seams. A lot of the sidewalks are smoother than the streets out there, and like depending where you're at. Yeah. And and like every everywhere you went, it was just like everything was made for skating. Like there was just ledges or curbs waxed or steps or something. Everywhere you went, there was something that was skatable. And like we'd find stuff and it'd be like. This looks fun. They're like, ah, that's kind of whatever. And like here, it'd be like, that thing's that, perfect. That's a gold mine right there. <laughs> it's like if I just had this spot, I'd be excited. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So yeah, getting back to the, the lessons and all that stuff, it it just it came from that. And then I worked at the camps, and then I just kept going to camp. And then I was I. Yeah, I went to Woodward again. Worked one more time, and then the next summer, I was like, oh, I just want to skate all this summer. You know, like, I don't want to be at skate camp working. Like, I didn't, I thought you had to, like, work the whole summer. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't think you could only sign up and work for, like, three weeks. Yeah. You know what I mean? I thought it was, like, a full summer commitment. So, I was like, I want to be able to go skate the streets, you know. And so, 
I did that. And then 98, I went on another road trip with Frankie and a friend of ours from down in uh, Baltimore. And we did this crazy road trip. And he worked for Thrasher Magazine at this point. And we like went all over the States, got to San Francisco. We got to go to the Thrasher office, meet Phelps, um, Luke Ogden, Phil Shao, rest in peace. Um, and then he was like, we were like, um, do you know anyone we could maybe stay with? <laughs> you know, not too, not very planned out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's like, call Kenny Reed or Scott Bourne. And we're like, okay. So we called Kenny because we met him one time before. He's like, dude, all my friends from Albany are like here. Like, I, yeah. I don't really have room for three people. I'm like, all right, I get it. So I call Scott, you know, and like Phelps gave me his number. I've never met Scott. He's in the magazines and his arms are tattooed black, you know. You know who I'm talking about, Scott yeah. Bourne? Yeah. So I'm like, this dude seems pretty gnarly, you know. He's like, so Phelps told you you could stay here, huh? And I was like, yeah. And he, I was like, all right, come on over. Here's my address. And like, come over. And he's like total skate house. There's like yeah. six or seven dudes that live there. Ben Cron, that's where I first met him. He lived there and all these other people. And uh, we go into his room. And he had hypodermic needles and all kinds of crazy things hanging in plastic sandwich bags all the way around his room. And I was like, what is going on here? And this girl comes into the room and she's like, yo, Scott, what's up with all the needles? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, uh, well, you know, I like to get high, but I don't want to get AIDS or something. And I'm like, dude, let's just get a hotel. I don't care how much it is. Yeah. I'll call my parents. I'll get a credit card. Like, I don't care. And he's like, dude, I'm just kidding. He's like, dude, this is a crack neighborhood. And he's like, I moved in and like, I found that this, this building had this extra room back here that wasn't being utilized. So I cleaned it all up and I just thought the needles were cool. So I put them in bags. So Scott was like pretty much like straight edge. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that one. Yeah. Like maybe later on, like, you know, maybe you drink some beer or something, but like yeah. was not a party dude at all. Even though he just looked like this gnarly yeah, party dude. He looked like it. He was really into reading books and poetry and just writing. I remember he writing all these letters to people all the time. And uh, really interesting guy. He was from North Carolina um, and just moved out to California just to skate. Didn't think he could be a pro skateboarder or anything. Just, just wanted no to go plan. and skate. It was just the East Coast dream. Yeah. And came out and skated. And then he got hooked up and then he got on uh, Adrenaline Skateboards and then got on Consolidated and turned pro for them and wrote for thunder and spitfire and puma and a bunch of stuff but man he was so cool let us stay at his house for like almost like two weeks and um took us skating and like met all these people it, 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 he was so fun to skate with and then that like we stayed in cali longer we went to costa mesa reached um got uh yuichi was still living there our japanese bud and like um he uh we stayed with him and Ryan DeWitt that used to be the team manager for Element. He was another Jersey dude from Haddonfield. And Dave Dern, do you remember him? He was a pro I skater. Yeah. They all lived together. And Dave okay. was like, Dave's like worked at 401 too because he was like, and he got paid. I think he made enough money from skateboarding from media skateboards and duffs that like he didn't have to work. But he's like, nobody skates around here except for on the weekends. Yeah. He's like, so I just go to 401 and work so I have extra money. Yeah. I was like, that's smart. Just to kill some time. Right. Because I feel like on the East Coast, too, I feel like everyone always thinks, like, pro skaters, like, all they do is skate. They don't have a second job. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, some yeah. don't. but yeah, Some don't. When when Kyle was over, he was telling me, like, yeah, like, uh, uh, not everybody, like, relies off their skate paycheck. Or they can't because yeah. it's it's not going to pay 
their bills and like get whatever they need for their families and stuff like that. Yeah. So like they have to get like oh totally they have to get jobs, which I don't blame them. I mean, That's, I never made enough to like be. I mean, I could have, but I would have been so poor. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and I'll get to that. So I, I and then I uh, I started to. So we got home from that trip, and then um, I worked at a pizza shop, and they were super cool. Like I worked three days a week. I worked Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then I had four days off. But I worked open to close on those days and yeah. worked my butt off. But I had four days off to skate, and I befriended Mike Manitas. And I started skating. He had just moved to Philly from Westchester. I started skating with him all the time. Still skating with Frankie. He shots, fo- you know, he shot photos for everybody. But he was still like, he was like working for Thrasher at this point. And I, we just would go all the time on skate trips and go to skate parks, go up to West End. And he rode for Fairman's, so he knew a lot of people. He knew like Bam, he knew Kerry, mm-hmm. Maldonado, and and then we went down to Tampa Am, and then doing all that and uh i went so now we're at like 2000 and i got a job at um woodward and ymca visalia skate camp and because i put applications into both okay and they both of them hired me and i was like oh okay well i'll work three weeks at one and work at three weeks at the other and like that was like my summer mm-hmm. and uh the california one was like a crazy experience everybody was so nice like super fun and then it was on that lake it was like the four and one you know and then i came back worked at woodward super fun also but it was just like so different like wood like visalia skate camp was so nerdy it was like yeah. campfire every night you got to hang out with your cabin you got to do this like it's totally like nerdy camp with skateboarding yeah and um woodward's just like full-on like college dorm skate park you know you just have skate, to show skate, up skate. at this time for dinner show up this time like there you had to eat with your cabin like you couldn't do that at woodwork because there's too many kids in the cabin there's just way more yeah. way, way more kids it's just different it's a whole different thing and um and they're both great but i just really like the visalia thing so the following year in 2001 i was like i'm going back to work i was like manitas you got to come with me it's so fun and then I, he's like yeah i'll fill an application but i don't know and like and i was like yeah dude i got us our plane tickets you owe me this much <laughs> he's like well, I guess I'm going to skate camp. And well, at, this, at this point, he was like am for New Deal, Adventure, okay. and Bones Wheels. And like, I think he got like DC Flow. And, and like, you know, he was doing like really well in like the skateboard world. That's and, pretty uh, sweet. You know. Did, um, I, I know you said it, it was YMCA, but did Element? Oh, yeah. Buy it? Yeah. So that wasn't, they didn't buy it yet. Okay. Or, so they Element didn't, didn't. They never bought it. I'll, I'll explain that in a second. So they, so we went and worked there, and Dave Meddy was our boss. And, then we were there the whole summer. There was like this gap at the end, and then they had a retreat for like business people to come back and experience camp. Mm-hmm. And so we had a week off, and we befriended a lot of people there. So we went on this like long road trip with a bunch of us from camp, and it was like it was like ten of us or so in a camp. So it was like a big van, and then like two cars, and then a lot of other people from camp we met up with in like their hometowns. And Visalia is like inland like and camps up the mountain so it's king's canyon uh 180 so it's what is it? it's three and a half hours from san francisco and it's like five hours from la okay so it's like you know it's a hike yeah either the spots and skateboard brain Mm -hmm. of where you want to go you know you want to go to la or you want to go to san francisco being a skateboard on the east coast i feel like 
at least I do. Yeah. You know? And so, you know, so we went to San Francisco first and then like went to all these spots and then we ended up going up to LA and Santa Barbara and all these places. And it was the funnest and raddest trip. You know, there was a little bit of headbutting with some of us, but it was, you know, a bunch of young people in a car. And the only girl that worked at camp, this Melissa, she came with us the whole trip. Oh God. And God bless her. I know. And, and, <laughs> and, and she was so cool. And she didn't really skate. She just hung out. Like, but she didn't get bummed on us and nobody yeah. gave her a hard time, you know. And <laughs> we're in Santa Barbara. And there it's like, you know, Santa Barbara's got a lot of money. And the kids like, you know, that own a house or rent houses and stuff, they they just it'll be house after house after house where the backyards line up. Mm. And there's just parties from backyard to backyard all the way down the street. So everyone's just go walking right. probably right through backyards. So we're but... like, you know, this crew coming in and like you know, somebody comes up to us and they're like, what do you, are you guys like in a band or something? Or like, and Manitas is like, uh, we're professional mini golfers. <laughs> he's like, yeah. I'm, uh, he just like looks at his shirt. He's like, yeah, I, uh, ride for uh, new deal clubs. And, um, uh, she's just been following us for a couple weeks on the tour. <laughs> <laughs> That's some smart shit. I know, dude. And he just like, I mean, I've been told, like, I've gotten myself in trouble, like, being where I think I'm being funny with a straight face. Yeah. And, but me, Mike's just as good as me. And, uh, you know, just saying something off the wall, like, with a straight face and walking away. <laughs> really good sarcasm. <laughs> I'm bad at it. Like, I, I'll say something I don't to mean somebody. to do it. Like, I'll, I think sometimes people know I'm being funny or, like, I was, like, vegetarian for, like, 15 years, right? Yeah. And like I was somewhere with one of Mike's friends that like we I only knew a little bit and he was like asking like the waitress, Do you have any vegetarian options? And I was like, Oh dude, you're one of those people, <laughs> right? And then like a year later we're in Pittsburgh again and like the same dude's with us or whatever. And I was like I was like, Does that come in a vegan option? He's like, Why do you care? I was like, Because I'm vegan? He's like, What? I'm like, What? He's like, dude, you made fun of me like a year ago for this. I was like, I did? Oh, I was just kidding. I've been like vegetarian for like years. <laughs> because like most people are like vegan or vegetarian. Do you know how they are? Oh, uh, yeah. I they do. tell you, right? Yes. Yes. Well, I, didn't, I never liked being that person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I kind of kept it to myself for the most part. I mean, I'm, I'm sure like if I had an interview or something, it's maybe it was in there but like i didn't i felt weird talking about it. i'm like does anyone really care probably not yeah i mean i was for like a little bit mm -hmm. <clears throat> um I, I i really i just really wanted to like just try it out see yeah see what could, because like i know there are some health benefits for it there definitely for, is but the problem is if you don't take supplements with it like mm -hmm. a vitamin b and b2 and stuff you're gonna get you're gonna feel like crap yeah you know so for me i didn't feel like crap I, my body just couldn't stand. I couldn't. I wasn't getting enough nutrients, right, of anything, and yeah. I was constantly eating, constantly eating, yeah. And I was losing weight too, with as much as I was eating, right. Which is, for me, it's well, not like weird, but. I mean, some people might get upset when I say this, but you got to understand, no, no diet is perfect for every single person. I agree with right? that and, wholeheartedly. I, and, I agree with that. And people got to understand, like, when you're vegan, when you're really, really trying to be vegan, it's very difficult to get enough of the correct fats, mm -hmm. 
you know, there's, there's coconut oil and, and olive oil and stuff like, but I'm just saying like, there's just things that are missing. You know what I mean? Like vegetables and fruits are incomplete proteins. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you're just missing certain things. And I've just tried a lot of different things and I figured out what works for me. Mm -hmm. I was doing green smoothies for years. And for me, I realized like six months ago, raw spinach is no good for me. Like in big amounts, I was, I was eating like a cup of raw spinach every day in a smoothie. Mm -hmm. It has crystals in it and the crystals for my body type for whatever, just react bad. I was get my joints were just getting so stiff. I just figured, dude, I'm old. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like maybe this is it for yeah. me. Getting older. I mean, so during the winter, I just did not, you know, East coast is cold. Like you don't naturally want to eat a salad or a bunch of green stuff in the winter. You know what I mean? Your yeah. caveman brain is just like, I need meat. Yeah. Or I just need fat, you yeah. know, fat, whatever, meat, fat, whatever. And like, I just kind of like got lazy and stopped making them. And then I started feeling better and I was like, well, that's weird. And I talked to my doctor and I, I, I go to like a alternative doctor in uh, Mount Laurel, Dr. Chung's Institute, Dr. Tracy Brogan. I saw her yesterday. She's taking great care of me. So she went to school for, um, family medicine for Western. And then she went back to school for Eastern medicine, learn acupuncture, prolotherapy and ozone therapy. And basically the other two is like, she takes a syringe with either prolotherapy or ozone therapy. And like, if your back sore, like yesterday I went there cause my low back was sore mm -hmm. and she goes and finds trigger points and she sticks a needle in you and injects that stuff into you. And, uh, she doesn't use anesthesia. Mm -hmm. So you gotta be tough about it. And, most people can go see her and they get about three shots, but from all the skateboarding I've done all the years, it's like a hundred needles later and I'm good to go. <laughs> <laughs> and she always gets a kick out of me because like, she's like, you're really tough. And I'm like, I don't think I'm that tough. I just, I am so scared to move that if I broke one of those needles off that she'd have to fish it out of me. Yeah. Like, that's why I'm like, and I want to get it over with. Yeah. So I'm just like, but like sometimes when you're really tight, you're like my IT bands get tight. She'll go down like my leg, like down the track and hit all of them honest to god like i don't even feel it and she sticks it all like full-size needle in my leg and i don't even feel it. it's bizarre jesus you know um sometimes actually the acupuncture that she uses afterwards is the icing on the cake yeah sometimes like when she's putting the needle on that hurts more i'm like how does this hurt more you just stuck me with a syringe <laughs> have you seen danny way's recovery recently with the bio cell stuff where they were sticking the needles in that's the kind of needle she uses I've, well, I mean, I, I've, I've seen a lot of Danny Way's like yeah. surgeries because he's usually yeah. documented a lot of it, his recoveries and stuff right. like that, and the the needles he has to get shot, especially when he had like knee sur well, yep. a lot of his knee surgeries and his ankles. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, <laughs> like this. I don't even know how big this is, like a foot. Yeah. Well, they're when they drain his knees out and stuff like so i was having problems with my left knee and it was actually my it band in my back where it wraps down and around your leg and was making my knee hurt and i went and got an mri and they're like your knee's fine and i'm like well why the hell is it not bending you know it hurts so much it feels like i'm bending it and like somebody like stuck a knife in it mm. it just one degree you know i would get to was one degree and it would just hurt so freaking bad so she was like shooting it below my kneecap like she would stick oh, it wow. in under my knee and as crazy as this might sound, like, honestly, as soon as it goes through the skin in there, it doesn't hurt. Yeah. But. It's usually just the. I'm just one. like, get it over with. Get it over with. <laughs> yeah. it, it's, it's, it's weird because, like, I'll, I'll go to a doctor and I don't like getting needles. I don't either. All. But. But it, it, it's so weird because, like, a lot of people know me. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I used to 
do a lot of drugs intravenously too and i use i'd use the needle so right. it's like i'll use one on myself no stay away from me no, yeah. no doctors allowed get that away from me yeah it's it's super weird it's like <laughs> a, i i can't even explain it yeah like i have to go um I go tomorrow. I have to go see a dentist, but I'm getting uh, some t- more teeth ripped out of my skull next week. Okay. I'm not looking forward to it because, like, those goddamn yeah. freaking um, needles that they have to shove in your mouth to, like, numb everything. Yep. Terrified of them. Yeah. And I, I hate the taste. <laughs> <laughs> the taste is what does it for me. I can't I can't deal with it. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm drinking some uh, Berkey filtered water here. Nice. In my Yeti, so if you guys are listening, you know. I got a. You can send me. I got a sweet. I made. I made. A, I made myself a send latte. Send me and me and Josh here. <laughs> Berkey water. You now I have this water filter system that's like it's just two charcoal filters inside a gravity, and you feed thing that you have on your counter, mm-hmm. and you just fill it up with your tap water, and it filters out like pesticides and um, industrial waste fluoride and like all this stuff, and it's just like the best tasting water. Yeah, and, I, I and, know. Like I, I've known you. Like you've. You've always been pretty health conscious as long as I've I've known you. My whole well. thing is like I just want to skate forever. Yeah, so I'm and like, I, I all feel right. like that's that's yeah. what it is. Like yeah. just, like I don't really take care of myself that <laughs> like all too well at all still. I'm just like, all right, what can I do to prolong skating? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So and it's like my group of friends that I started with at that swim club, none of them skate anymore. And like those dudes ripped. Like my friend Sam Tickner was the first dude I ever saw do a kickflip. Yeah. And that was like 1988. He could do a kickflip on a Johnny Cop board that was like freaking ten and a half inches wide. You know, Jesus. it's like mind blowing. You know, and like, and my friend Dan, like, he could early grab 360 off a ramp and like ollie over a trash can on its side, and like, you know, they, these guys were good, yeah. like, for the time, and like, they just lost that passion I have for it, and like. That's why, like, I do the skate lessons and all that. Because when I started, there was nobody to teach anything. Like, mm-hmm. you were lucky if the older kids even let you skate their stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? You had to just figure it out. And there was, like, one how-to video from, like, Santa Cruz, I want to say. And it was, like, it was like street skating with Nottis and Rob. It was, like, Rob Roscop and Nottis. Yeah. And it's, like, they're kind of, like, explaining tricks. And there was that. And I think Walker Skateboards had one, too. But that was about it. Yeah. yeah, I know. Later on, Transworld had a yeah had a was it um, something basic? Is yeah, Transworld basics yes. or something like that. So that was like, by the time that came out, I'd already been skating for twelve years. Yeah, you know. So like, it was just like, you know, and like skateboarding has that you know that punk rock edgy thing where like you just figure it out on your own, man. Fall on your face, pretty you much. Know, just. Be a part. tough, you know, tough person about it, you yeah. know, just get it over with, you know, and, um, you know, and I, 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 I agree with some of that, but at the same time, it's like, I want to learn as much as I can get out of skating. Like, I just want to learn tricks yeah. and I want to learn how to do them, like how they feel good and I want to try to make them look smooth and flow together and, and like, I just want to learn as much. I've just, ever since I got hooked on that, like that Thrasher magazine, I've just been obsessed with this thing. Yeah. And every job I've ever taken, I'm like, all right, how much time is this going to take away from skating? But is this going to benefit my skating? So I worked at a skate shop and that was great. And I had healthcare working at a skate shop and it was in like the early 2000s. The economy was good. Sales and skateboarding were through the roof. And like Dave Tarantini, thank you so much. Um, 
you know, I was the buyer for all the skate stuff. And I got a lot of contacts in the industry from that shop. And, you know, and I became, you know, sponsored skater again. And skate camp, you know, I was Venture Trucks, Audubon Wheels, Circus Shoes, Seed Skateboards, Bob Lucido from Pro Skates. Um, and, like, I had the whole skateboard dream going on. I was working at a skate shop. It was great. Yeah. So I was, like, living, like, you know, day to day. Once the shop closed, I would go skate. And then during the day, I'm doing all the sales, and I'm, like, outfitting the skate shop. It was so fun and talking to all the reps. And then um, my mom was like, hey, you know, there's an opening at the school I work at. You know, you'd be great as an assistant in the wood shop. And I'm like, I don't, you know, the a background of me is, like, my grandfather and my father were just very handy people. Mm-hmm. And um, I just at an early age was very interested in tools, like, like three, four years old. Mm-hmm. You just gave me a pair of pliers and a hammer for Christmas. I was like, this is great. Figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> and then, then like elementary school, I discovered G.I. Joe and Transformers. And then after that, skateboarding and BMX and skateboarding. And then using tools came right back into play, building ramps and, uh, you know, just putting your skateboards together and all that. And so I've always had an interest in that stuff. The only dumb thing in my thing is like when I was in high school, Instead of taking shop class, I took art classes, which art is great, mm-hmm. but I could have taken one art class and taken one shop class. Yeah. And I took arts and crafts, which didn't really benefit for anything I wanted to learn, really, in a sense. It was just like a fun class, mm-hmm. but I should have taken that other one is what I'm saying, because I would have learned more. Yeah. I was being ignorant because I was like, I already, I already know how to use tools. There's, that whole world is like skateboarding. It never ends yeah. on what you can learn. You know, I learn stuff all the time. The guy I worked with this year, he uses ter- terminology I've never even heard with some of the stuff. He's like, give me the hot melt glue gun, you know, for a glue gun. Yeah, it's, it's a hot glue gun. I know. I've it's never a- heard that. But, I mean, the guy is, has was a professor at Trenton, so I'm going to take his and, – and, and he, he's not rubbing it in, his, in your face. Yeah. It's just, but, how, it's just what he knows. Right. And he's it. like, all right, I need a twist bit. And, you know, he's talking about a drill bit, you know, and it's like – and it's just all this terminology I've never, ever heard of in my life. It's really cool, though. Yeah. And um, so I started there in 2004, and I'm, I'm still working for them. That's awesome. I just signed, an, I just signed another contract. Um, they're a special needs school, so um, I work with kids on the spectrum, and I work with kids that are on behavioral issues. So that's, it's a very that's, interesting that's bunch. And it's, like, it's not for everyone. This year was huge turnover, like probably like 25 people quit oh wow yeah but the shop class i really enjoy it i feel like i'm giving back and i'm helping kids that like i mean i've had kids where like i didn't think you were even going to be help like a behavioral kid like yeah. this, this one kid i'm thinking in particular i didn't think i was like this is not the school for him yeah he actually comes in and learns now it's crazy that's pretty cool yeah that's i never a- thought i was going to get through to him yeah and like he actually has finished projects now. <laughs> that that's awesome. It's like so like you know about my son. Yeah, I don't talk about my my son yeah. like that on here. But like you know, we were just me and his mom. We were just having problems with his school. Right. And like some some common sense stuff, which isn't too common anymore because right. people don't think before they act or don't think before they speak. I really don't think before I speak. I'll just spew whatever. Right. And then, or whatever, you know, this is usually how it goes. But it's like, this, 
the the we've had a couple of different problems there. I'm like, yeah. and I finally show up yesterday. I'm like, hey, here I am. What are we gonna do now? Yeah. How are we gonna handle this? Right. Because like, you know, working in any type of like mental health or behavioral health or like, especially with kids like on the on the spectrum, everyone, all those different, all those kids, they have different right. needs. And yeah. like, it's hard to meet every kid where they're at. It's just like it's hard to meet every adult where they're at. Right. And they, the way a lot of the stuff's written right now, it's like generalized for everyone and nobody's ever the same, especially mm -hmm. somebody on the spectrum. Yeah. Every single one of them is so different from the other one of like, you know, they're like, oh, they don't understand like this or that. And you're like, no, they understand everything. It's just that they're, more sensitive to this or that yeah and it's like when my understanding to it is like when you're born your brain grows outward mm -hmm. right when you're on the spectrum it's like it grows more specialized in one area and then the other areas get forgotten a little bit mm -hmm. so like where somebody could be like an absolute math genius and they literally have dexterity you know issue tying their shoes mm -hmm. and like it's just like mind-blowing you know like they can do they don't need a calculator, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's weird because, like, you know, I love the old saying, like, we're all the same. No, we're not. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And the world would be really boring if we were all the same. Yeah, if we were all the same, like, I don't think we would be sitting down having having a conversation. There's no point. You yeah, don't need to. There's no point. I already right. know what you're thinking. Right. I don't need to interact with anybody, right? Yeah. But that's the beauty is that, like, that nobody is exactly the same. I'm not like you. I'm not. Right. I'm my son's somewhat like me but not at the same time right. he's his own person yeah right and I, for me that's the beauty of it like sweet you be you dude like right. I don't care what you do you know just yeah and I, I think a lot of people they know that I'm a school teacher day to day mm -hmm. but I think a lot of them don't know that like I teach like kids like special needs kids like, yeah. and problem issue kids like that just just can't make it in a mainstream school yeah. you know and i've i've never worked at a public school so i don't even honestly other than when i do skate camp mm -hmm. i don't even know what it would be like like if i saw a kid walking down the hall like i'd be like why isn't somebody watching you like, <laughs> like i'm just so used to it at my school yeah because you have to chaperone everyone like yeah. you, you have to you have to go in check the bathroom then let one kid in at a time check the bathroom and they come back out and like very very monitored yeah. you know what i mean like you know because each one of these kids like they just have a lot of things going on and as sad as it is a lot of times it's their home life is absolutely bonkers bizarre yeah and then on top of it they have you know asperger's syndrome and yeah. it's just like you did this to this kid and he's already special needs like are you kidding me yeah so my job is definitely not for everyone it, I wouldn't be there as long as if it, it just doesn't, it doesn't seem to take a toll on me. I never feel like that exhausted. Sometimes on the Fridays this year, my schedule sucked. I had six classes in a row that day yeah. and shop. It's just hard because there's no prep time in between. Yeah. And those kind of kids, you can't leave them like a moment of doing nothing. Cause that's when things unravel. Yeah. They'll, they'll go sideways right. fast. Yes. Like real fast, real fast. And, uh, but you know, I, I signed the contract again, so I'm I'm at it again next year. So this will be nine. It'll be 19 years in September. That's awesome too. Yeah. And but, like what what I've noticed too is like you know, it, especially like a lot of people with like special needs, like you know, 
or get fixated on on one thing, right? Right. Um, I don't. I I can't really name name because I don't know their names. But yeah. I, I I know there are like a few kids, like especially like up up in Middletown. I know like there's, there's one in Ambler. Like, He's yeah. an adult now. Yeah, and he's a ripper. Um, and uh, I grew, uh, there was this kid Eddie that showed up at uh, up at X Park all the time. Yeah, um, real odd kid, but he was awesome. He was, like yeah. super nice. His mom was awesome too. His mom would drop him off, and he was just skate, just cruise around, not even yeah. do tricks, just cruise. I'm like, dude, you are awesome because you found something that you love. Right. I I, I mean, I'll drop his name. I mean, you might have met him, Adam Solomon. Yeah. Adam kills it on a skateboard. And like he's got a job, he, he's going to school. Um, he does like he does really well for like everything that the cards he was dealt with. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, like he's a funny dude, and like you know, just like absolutely rips on a skateboard. I've seen him board slide on down a rail at skate camp and just look at me. Like he just knows he's not gonna miss. <laughs> it's the craziest thing, dude. Like. It's like his brain's just wired so different. It's like once he figures out a trick, I saw him an Ambler board slide up the five star rail or six, whatever that rail is, mm-hmm. like five times in a row one day. Like, Jeez. like it's just like he figures it out and he's just like, there's no reason I'm gonna miss this. Yeah. Like, he you just know, knows. just like, all right, board slide up the rail. Yeah. Did all the calculations. <laughs> like, it's, it's gonna be perfect this time. Right. right. You it's, know what I mean? We're like a neurotypical person. Like, it's like, oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Hope it works. <laughs> that's that's me on a daily basis. I'm like, here we go. Yeah. I hope everything works out. Yeah, because I mean, like at the end of the day, like I feel like there's only like a handful of people where they have like that weird like thing where like it's like, yeah, it's yeah, it's only 25 stairs. I got this. Like, yeah. you know, it's like that Pat Duffy, Jamie Foy thing where it's just like I don't like the biggest rail I ever did was the Norristown, like the one that's like it's like a double kink. It's mm-hmm. against a wall, and I think it's like eight or nine stairs each, and then it goes to flat. But you have the wall, like yeah. to lean up against. So like you could like screw up at the top and fall down the stairs. You yeah. know what I mean? The first like eight or nine, whatever it is. But what I'm saying is like that's super duper scary for me. Yeah. And like, but it still felt like safe enough because I had the wall, you know, like to do it. I don't understand like how their brain works when they just roll up to like a twenty stair handrail where like you can't just try it. No, you you have know to what I mean? To it the whole, it's a full whole, commit. Yeah. Like that's like that just takes like a totally different brain. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm like, good for you. Yeah. That's why I, <laughs> that's why I could never skate rails. I could never make that commitment. I yeah, I mean could. like a small skate park rail or something like yeah, fun. like the, the old city hall like five or six you know yeah, like the, that was like super fun and just like all day like yeah, you know, doing tricks down they were tall but they were short so like yeah you would only do like maybe like six inches maybe yeah. like maybe like the I last, just like, doing all the basic tricks but it was like it just like never felt like dangerous yeah you know what i mean it just felt fun you know what i mean like it was just like i don't know like you know smith grind mm. front board lip slide you know what i mean it was like all i have to do is ollie high and commit and i'm, yeah. I'm on you know and uh but yeah, and then um, I was like doing the teaching thing. I was sponsored, and I won three amateur contests in a row. And the last one I won that year was the Borderline Globe was having a contest there. Okay. And DJ Chavez was one of the judges. He was riding for Globe at the time, and a um, bunch of people. But Andrew Cannon was like my my teammate for Seed Skateboards, mm-hmm. and that was his local park. And 
I mean, most people knew Andrew Cannon as brand manager of Santa Cruz, but man, the, before he was a brand manager, he was a ripping pro skateboarder. And he still rips too. Yeah, totally. Like, <laughs> like insanely. Yeah. And he like, and, and Nick Marlino was there too. Nick and, Marlino. Yeah. And Swasco, one of our local heroes. I love Swasco. Like, Swasco, where you at? What is that video part? Where is the last part? Uh, was it Feed the Fix? I think it was. Yeah, we need to put that a link for that. I'll, I'll put it right up. Dude, everyone needs to watch that video part. That part was so good. I've always said this, and it's no disrespect, but I think Swasco was always a closet traffic skater. Yeah. He, like, could pole jam and wally anything, but, like, dressed and skated, like, you know, 1999, like, Josh Kalis, like, wedding, like, that whole alien. Yeah. You know. Super tiny board, super tiny wheels, DC shoes. Yeah, so consistent, just the most amazing trick selection. And it was just like, I, I just don't understand how that guy never was like a famous pro skateboarder because he was just so got me. good. Consistent, yes. And, I, and he rode for Seed for a little bit, mm. and we took him on a tour. And every skate park we went to, he would do the nollie laser flip over the pyramid, mm -hmm. you know, the tray flip, this and that. He'd do the crazy willy grind and just a kick flip nose blunt slide down some kind of hubba, you know, just like, and then like, go on the mini ramp, like frontside 5.0 kick flip in. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, and the other cool thing was like, he did all like those cool, like ledge tech tricks, but he would skate on the crusty Philly spots where somebody would just like have a trick in a video just doing like a 5.0 because it's like, it's the spot. Yeah. It's not the trick, right? And Swasco would like nose grind nollie, heel flip out on it. Mm. You know, like that old church steps down in Kensington. Yeah. Like the one day, backside uh, nose grind nollie, heel out. And everyone else is just like 5-0 yeah, or crook. <laughs> yeah, there, there was another spot that he was that he was skating. Um, it's, on, it's under the L on Front Street too. And it's like you would have to ollie up like on, oh, like the, two. Place, on the two step. And he ollied and up and did the nose blunt slide, right? Nose blunt. And I think he did. Uh, a back tail because like yes. there's a little bit of a gap yes. with like a ledge that's like literally a foot long. But the nose blunt makes no sense because yeah. I don't know how Not his ass and back just didn't bounce off the wall because it was no so clue. tiny. I have no clue. Like the yeah, his precision on skateboard was just un. It was awesome. I lo I loved skating with Swasco, yeah. and he's so funny. Oh, he always busted my balls. Well, that, I, and I, I the thing hate too him is he it. he went to he definitely went to a pretty rough school. And I feel like the only reason he survived with his mouth, because there's yeah. no way he could have jokes. Yeah. He, there's no way he could have fought those kids. Yeah. Like no way no. he just would clown them or start clowning himself. And they're like, what's wrong with this kid? <laughs> I think that's why like we were all, I think that's why we were all friends. Cause he, he was, he would like, he would clown on me and I, I would take it. Cause like yeah. I'm younger. So it's like, all right, dude, like yeah. you're fucking with me. So it's, it's fine. Whatever. Yeah. You know, and oh, what a rad dude. Yeah. Swasco, if you're listening. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, you need to come on here, too. I've been I trying know. to get your ass on here for a while. Swasco? The kids need to know. <laughs> His last trick was, like, that pole jam on the stop sign. He nose-bonked the stop sign part. So he yeah. grinds up it, and he has, like, a puffy, triple-fat goose jacket on or something. Yeah. It's winter. I don't even know how the hell he did that, too. Yeah. So, it, so if yeah, so it's a, a stop sign that was bent over, and it was, like, the pole jam angle. And he grinds up this thing, and then when he gets to the stop sign part of the stop sign, he just nose bonks it. And that was his ender in his video part. It was incredible. He's so good. Just even like 
grind up part of that would yeah. have been like that was cool. Yeah, now, yeah, even a pop out like right, early, like early. Or, it would have been Ollie like over the sign, whatever. Right. They would have been like, oh, that's cool, but he nose bonked it. Yeah. <laughs>